It's not uh, here this month um, as I report to the board, I'm not excited about the numbers. And so I'm going to write a narrative. Welcome to the Center for Generosity podcast. I'm Evan Moylan, a consultant with GSB Fundraising and your guest host for today, kind of. Today's gonna be a bit different. On each episode, we work to equip generosity leaders by tackling a single topic related to growing generosity. Together, we answer the three most critical questions for success. Today, your normal host, Mitzi Schaefer, and I will be going back and forth on some of the issues related to the relationship between a board and the chief executive officer or executive director. All right, Mitzi, I stole your thunder. That was fun to be the guest host for a moment. Let me give you the floor back. I love it. It was actually really nice not to say it this time um, and to have a different voice out there, Evan. And I'm excited to do this with you today. So friends, we're going to still answer three questions, but we are going to volley back and forth. And I'm going to hit Evan with the first question. So as we think about the relationship between the board and the CEO, how those two worlds interact really has a lot to do with the governance model that an organization uses. And if you are, you know, driving or running or sitting in your office going, I have no idea what kind of governance model our organization uses, it's probably good to know that. And so Evan, talk us through the different kinds of organization models that an organization might use so that a board member and a CEO can kind of think through that to help us start our conversation today. Absolutely. You know, like most things in the world, one size never really fits all right? Their organizations take all different shapes and sizes. And it, in its simplest format, we, we, we tend to talk about governance in, in, in two forms, although I, I would say there's some intermediaries as well. We, we talk about an operational board, uh, you know, smaller organizations that don't necessarily have a lot of staff tend to have boards that come out of a model where the board members actually have to do the work to deliver program or to deliver product on a day-to-day basis and where the the things that make an organization run day-to-day are actually done by volunteers. This this is really common, by the way, if you're a faith-based organization or have a board that's predominantly made from people who serve in governance in congregations or in other faith-based organizations, because in those places where constituents and and governance are overlapping so often and where governance uh, is operational, these boards tend to meet more frequently. Um, They have more day-to-day responsibility. And, and they take on less of the, the, the governance work, if you will, that we might see in a larger organization. In those larger organizations, you know, the, the go-to is kind of what was historically called the Carver model of governance, right? And in its simplest format, the Carver model of governance says that the board uh, sets the mission, vision, and values for the organization, hires and manages the CEO, and everything uh, in the flow structure below the CEO of the organization is the responsibility of the CEO or the executive director, the, whoever that chief officer is, to move the organization towards its mission and its outcomes so that the board is setting high priority mission, vision, values, and outcomes 
that are desired and the executive is then implementing that day to day, right? But we know from organizations, there's all sorts of varieties of this. There's organizations in the middle where they're taking that first step of having their first professional executive director and they're somewhere in the space between uh, between this operational board and between this governance board. And we know that those boards take different formats in their work day to day, but at its foundation, they have the same responsibilities. At its foundation, and I think uh, Richard Chait in his book, Governance is Leadership, Reframing the Work of Nonprofits, uh, puts it best. The board has three, three responsibilities. They have the fiduciary responsibility of protecting the organization and all of its legal operations. Uh, and then they have the strategic responsibility and the generative responsibility that, you know, boards as a whole are there not only to protect the fiduciary, but to help be strategic about how we address the key problems that organizations are coming at and to be generative in what, you know, what the next ideas might be or what the next days might look like in that space. And so regardless of size, shape of, of the organization or mission of the organization, we know that you find yourself as an organization in different places and that it's going to look differently in each of those places. And, you know, uh, I know we have a lot of listeners who do come from faith-based backgrounds or faith-based nonprofits or congregations, you know, recommend some other books out there for those leaders as you think about organizational size uh, and how your governance works. Uh, Clear, Calm, and Connected by our colleague Paul Walters is a phenomenal book for congregational leaders. Uh, so is, you know, uh, Governance as Ministry by Dan Hotchkiss, a very common read in those places. And, uh, you know, there's lots of great resources out there on governance and uh, on its operations, and we don't really need to, to create those. Um, there's wonderful resources in the Center for Generosity. There's wonderful resources in other organizations as well, like BoardSource that are doing this really well. But, you know, Mitzi, as I think about this, and I think about my history as an executive director or CEO of organizations, regardless of the shape and size, you know, I think one of the places where, where I found the most, uh, not tension, but the most uh, dynamic is that relationship between the board and the CEO, and in how does the board appropriately, you know, manage and evaluate the CEO, and uh, how does the board appropriately manage and evaluate itself? And I know you've got a lot of experience with this as well. When you think about that evaluation and that support process uh, between uh, executive and and board. What are your thoughts on that? What, what what are some of the best ways that a board can take on that process of evaluation? Yeah, so um, I think that's really kind of twofold um, and two questions and one there um, evaluating what's going on and then the actual performance evaluation of the CEO. So let's let's hit that first evaluating the ongoing life of what's happening. Um, in the organization and how the CEO reports. So it's interesting um, uh, when we think about your th kind of three primary components of what the board is responsible for, whether they're using a Carver model or an operational model, fiduciary, strategic, and generative. Um, those are three great categories for the board to be thinking about what is getting reported to them on a consistent basis. 
So there should be things inside of each of those categories that they know about. Um, when it comes to protection and operation, making sure that um, insurance policies and all those things are up to date, become a part of performance and quality improvement. And one of the best things I've seen is when the performance and quality improvement um, plan or process or outcomes, um, however an organization refers to them, become one of the leading documents that the CEO can then share with the board on a regular basis. So there's a couple reasons for that. And those are the two that I think um, are critical for us to be thinking about when it comes to reporting. One is it, it's an agreed upon um, baseline of information that is consistent. It's not a here this month um, as I report to the board, I'm not excited about the numbers. And so I'm going to write a narrative instead of tracking where we're going, looking for trends and providing that information in a consistent basis. And a good performance and quality improvement um, uh, outcomes, measurables, document is going to include all of those areas. How's your strategic plan going? Um, I know next week we talk about strategic plan and the, um, the document that we use to move and advance the organization forward and the board's role in that. Um, and as the organization lives into their strategic plan and where they're going, those outcomes can then be reported on a regular and consistent basis. When it comes to fiduciary um, reporting financials on fundraising, on fee-for-service kind of revenue, and on expenses on a regular basis is also really critical. How's your donor base looking? Is it going up and down? Is it um, fluctuating? Is it pretty consistent and steadily going up? Um, all the different things that um, can show trends and can, can alert the board to something going on. But it's really hard for the board to be alerted and to protect an organization if the reporting that they're getting is inconsistent from month to month or quarter to quarter or however often, um, however often they, they meet. So, um, and, and then the other piece that's included in performance and quality improvement that I also think is really important is risk. Any kind of issue with risk um, that, that could lead to um, the loss of the ministry or um, you know, the loss of trust and transparency with the constituency, um, with those that you serve, um, bringing up those kinds of items and making sure that they are clear about that. And, and there's, you know, the, the biggest, there, well, there's a couple reasons. One is for a healthy relationship. It's really important that the board and the CEO have a healthy, trustworthy relationship. But also we want our board to be advocates for us. We want to make sure that they have all the information they need um, to answer questions, to advocate, to promote and share the good work that the organization is doing and that they're not blindsided by something um, that, that comes up along the way. I'm so glad you've, you've framed this 
first, Mitzi, thanks for calling us back to that, that the idea of, you know, what's reported, what the transparency looks like in the organization, what the expectations are for that reporting is so critical uh, between board and executive. It's such a a fundamental piece of what we do. And, And, you know, sometimes um, you know, going back to what Jenny shared a few weeks ago and having great process for selecting board members, sometimes the, the executive as one of the key relationship holders and, and knows the most people, right? And the board is, is built by their experience or their relationship in some way. And it gets cloudy here as to where the space is. And so I think having those great processes is so fundamental to, to what you've shared and setting those things up front uh, in what's reported is really helpful to have you frame that way. And I'm really struck by what you said about managing risk for the organization. You know, I think about the couple of places where I've served on boards uh, in roles uh, as a chair and where there was a uh, you know, problem in the organization that actually w- was uh, significant. And one of the, the, the quickest ways to lose donors, one of the quickest ways to lose uh, but participants in your program, right, is to hurt that organizational trust. Uh, and whether it's a theft or whether it's, uh, you know, some kind of misoperation by the organization. And in your point about uh, making sure the board has consistent reporting information, I think is really critical in, in protecting that space. I, I'm wondering how you think that crosses over, right, um, into the evaluation of the CEO and the evaluation of the board. Yeah, I I think it actually brings the level down for the CEO. So I I know um, I know of a CEO who used to walk out of a board meeting um, every quarter and say, "Well, I'm employed for three more months," and that's just a that's just a not a great feeling. It's not a great feeling as the CEO to walk in and. You know, it's one thing to have a boss. It's another thing to feel like you have a whole board of bosses, right? And knowing as the CEO that you can, you have this baseline of consistent information that you're going to be sharing really brings the level down. It makes it less about you and more about what the organization is doing and the mission that the organization is doing. And I think that is the first step to the evaluation. So um, I think there are a couple components to the evaluation that are also really important. Um, One is first and foremost, there can be no evaluation without goals to evaluate. And there can be no evaluation without agreement in the beginning on how you're gonna be evaluated in order for the goals to be evaluated, (laughs) right? I mean, it feels like we're talking around it, but you got to have a process. Everybody needs to know the process in the beginning and it needs to be taught. Like they need to understand it. It's the same for our staff. When we work with our staff in an organization, it's unfair to them to not have goals for them, to not give them ways to measure and move forward. The same goes for the CEO. It's also unfair to them to surprise them with it to change it at the last minute, how you're gonna do it, or to not have a process at all. And staff perform better when they know how and when and in what capacity they're gonna be measured. They perform better. They Setting those high expectation messages helps them perform with high expectation results. 
and the same should be extended to the CEO. Um, and so that agreement in advance is really, really important. I think another component of um, a CEO evaluation is also staff evaluations. And that if you're doing, as you should be, consistent staff evaluations um, and, and you know, supervision of goals along the way, that should be rolled up into that performance and quality improvement measurable document that you are sharing with the board when you meet. And they should be able to see trends like turnover and those kinds of things so that that's a part of the conversation. When, when the board has the full picture and it's a consistent picture that they can say, we started here at a baseline and we can see trends fluctuating up and down, then you get a better evaluation process. And what's normal and what's going to happen is that some of the goals you're going to hit with flying colors and some of them you're not. And that doesn't mean it's a bad thing. It just means you need to evaluate, you need to regroup, but having the support of the board to help the CEO see that, because it's hard to see it when you're in the middle of it sometimes, but the board can support the CEO in that way to help nurture and guide them and redirect them. And maybe it goes back to generative. Maybe it goes back to strategic. Maybe it goes back to risk. Um, but they ultimately have that responsibility. And so when that is a shared outcome, that there's support and evaluation based on goals and a plan, then there is a, a possibility for healthier, transparent relationship. Yeah, I really like that, Mitzi. And, you know, you shared an experience uh, from your side. And, and I've been in that space, too, where it just feels like, you know, we were creating reports uh, to keep the board appeased as opposed to, and to make the board meeting go as easily as possible, right? Rather mm -hmm. than thinking about the board as partners in this space. And we all get why that happens. But mm -hmm. in one of the best places where I ever had this relationship, I was the chair of a board. We had a new CEO. It was a, it was a large national organization. And our agreement between each other as chair and CEO was that there would be no surprises. I won't let anything sneak up on you and you make sure nothing sneaks up on me because that embarrassment of being caught without knowledge in either of those roles is a big piece of it. And it really opened the, the door for us to have dialogue, you know, sometimes, and it's perfectly appropriate, right? The CEO's performance evaluation or the executive director's performance evaluation often has uh, compensation tied to it. Yeah. And so this idea that I can't fail or I'll lose that compensation or I'll have a move sometimes causes a, you know, a natural protection of those things. But the idea that, that having a regular frequency set to those goals um, so that the space between is space where we can work collectively towards them rather than antithetically against each other for them, uh, mm -hmm. it, you know, is a really important place because then we don't feel evaluated all the time in between in those murky areas where we're creating new strategy to get to the same end result. And I think that that leads itself to the point that 
you know, the board also has to be accountable for their performance. And so having great process for board evaluation, using tools, depending on the frequency of your, your board's meeting, uh, after each board meeting, for the board to evaluate how it functioned together in its work and how it accomplished its objectives and having its own goals set at the beginning of each year, whether those are fundraising goals, as we've talked about in previous weeks, or whether those are operational goals for the organization, that board's evaluation is part of setting that, that healthy culture uh, as well together. Mitzi, it's been fun to turn this around and put you yeah. on the hot seat a little bit. I have appreciated that and I'm so thankful uh, for our listeners. Uh, if you're coming to us on a format and haven't had an opportunity yet to join the Center for Generosity, we invite you to go to the centerforgenerosity.com where you're going to find accountability focus and tools and plans to grow generosity in your organization. We know that as a leader, you have an impact and we want to make sure that the impact of your organization is known by the world so that they can support your mission with passion. With a monthly subscription to the Center for Generosity, you get exclusive access to regular roundtable discussions with our consultants and access to office hours with them. You will have ongoing access to documents and videos that we referenced in this and other podcasts that train and outline best practices for CEOs, development officers, volunteers, and board members. There's also regular master classes that dive more deeply into each one of the topics that we cover today. We hope that you'll join us at the centerforgenerosity.com. Mitzi, it's been great to be here. Thanks for letting me turn the tide and put you on the hot seat today. Yeah, Evan, thanks so much. And friends, we'll have Evan back um, next week um, to answer the three most critical questions about strategic planning. That'll be the last week in our board development series. So join us back then. And if you are finding these podcasts helpful, we invite you to leave a review um, or um, share this with friends. Um, it's a great way to help us get the word out so that more of our nonprofit um, leaders are equipped to do the work that they are called to do. Thanks a lot. Until next time.